We all love stories. It's an undeniable truth. After all, humanity as a whole has been sharing them for centuries. Dating back over 30,000 years, stories were first told as pictures on stone walls. These wordless narratives eventually became an integral part of our earliest societies, often displaying themes of survival, kinship, and the unforgiving nature of a prehistoric world. As time passed, those cave drawings evolved, alongside the artists who created them. With the rise of the ancient Sumerians and the Egyptians, these rudimentary paintings transformed into written word. And with that, storytelling became a bit more complex. Humanity, of course, was quick to follow suit, eager to explore the craft of narration. In the form of epic poetry, chants, rhymes, and songs, the oral tradition was born, thus paving the road for the very narratives that we love today. Long story told incredibly short, it's these solid foundations that have given us the world's greatest authors and storytellers, many of whom lay their roots in the world of the paranormal in the horror genre. And at the forefront of it all was a young woman who loved to write, a scientist who she called mad, and a castle nestled in the German hills. I'm Courtney Hayes, and you're listening to Haunts. Stay tuned. When we hear the name Frankenstein, we can't help but think of a dark foreboding laboratory in the tallest tower of a castle. Now, it is true that Mary Shelley's acclaimed novel makes no reference of a gothic fortress, instead placing Frankenstein's lab within the walls of a modest apartment. But all the same, countless adaptations of this classic horror tale depict Frankenstein and his monster in a much more regal setting. Maybe it's because of the real-life medieval stronghold that shares the novel's namesake. Dating back to the 13th century, Frankenstein Castle has a history as rich as the story it inspired. Overlooking the bustling city of Darmstadt, Germany, the fortress originally functioned as the family home to the Frankenstein dynasty. It all began with the union of Reis von Bruberg and Elizabeth von Reiterstadt, the descendants of two prominent families of the Holy Roman Empire. They were the first of the Frankenstein bloodline who lived and reigned in the castle for over 400 years. In the years that followed their regency, Frankenstein Castle changed hands on several occasions, serving every purpose from military barracks to a modern-day museum. And although its facade has begun to crumble, its foundations remain resolute, now acting as a popular tourist destination for those brave enough to hear the story it bears. Suffice to say, this haunt has seen its fair share of history, loss, and bloodshed, but nothing quite compares to the notorious chapter of Johann Conrad Dipel. They called him a mad doctor. I know, it's quite the reputation. One that of course preceded him, thanks to his love for anatomy, alchemy, 
and the occult. It was August 10, 1673, when Johann Dippel was born on Castle Grounds. It was a fitting place, really, for such an eccentric child to be born. You see, as a boy, Johann nurtured a keen love for the sciences. In lieu of conjuring up games or make-believe tales, he dedicated his earliest years to learning. This studious mindset extended well into his adult life, going on to graduate from the University of Gizen with a master's in philosophy and theology. Following his academic career, Dibel began to make a name for himself in the field of alchemy, or rather the rudimentary form of chemistry, based on the supposed notion that matter could be transformed. I won't lie to you. Alchemy was a convoluted school of thought at best. But if you're thinking Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, then you'd be right on the money. In fact, this speculative philosophy aimed to achieve the transmutation of common base metals into, let's say, more precious elements. Not to mention, the practice sought to discover a method to prolong a person's life indefinitely, which, of course, brings us back to Johann Dippel. It was during his time practicing alchemy when Dippel became fascinated by the prospect of immortality. Well, fixated would likely be a better word for it, given that he spent a great deal of time perfecting a concoction that could allegedly grant everlasting life. Perhaps unsurprisingly, it was this very obsession that left a bad taste in his neighbors' mouths. Apparently, Johann was quite boastful of his work, even going as far as to claim that he would live to be 125 years old, and it was all thanks to the potion that he called Dippel's oil. Oh, and to make matters worse, at least as far as his friends and neighbors were concerned, Johann's practices were, well, downright frightening. According to one of my sources, at least, Dippel's oil was produced by the distillation of bones. It was a viscous, tar-like substance that had a pungently unpleasant odor, and although the elixir didn't actually possess immortal qualities, it did serve a handful of purposes, with its functionality ranging from simply repelling insects to full-blown chemical warfare. But that's not all. So the story goes, Johann had developed the repulsive habit of exhuming corpses from local gravesites. He would bring the bodies back to his lab, where he would attempt to reanimate the dead. And, yeah... Apparently, he had some success, thanks to a lightning bolt that struck the castle during one of these experiments. Or, I should say, that's what Dippel claimed. So there you have it, the story of a real-life mad scientist who created a monster inside Frankenstein Castle. I guess it's really no wonder why. This terror-inducing tale is said to be the inspiration behind Mary Shelley's masterpiece, but if you want my opinion, no horror story is ever truly complete without at least a few ghosts. By now, it should be quite apparent that Johann Conrad Dippel had an affinity for the grim things in life. And true to that fashion, it seems that those interests live on to this day. According to local lore, at least, 
Johann's spirit still lurks about the castle, becoming particularly active around Christmas and New Year's Eve. If you can believe it, the Mad Doctor is supposedly spending his afterlife searching for the very monster he created centuries ago. Apparently, those who visit Frankenstein Castle are most likely to encounter his spirit outside the chapel. Here, he is known to howl, calling out in agony to a creature that evidently never shows. I know, it's a bold claim to make, especially considering how unlikely it is that Dybul had any success in reanimating corpses. Although, this is not to say that the souls entangled in those experiments aren't tormenting Johann's ghost. You see, the majority of the claims made about Frankenstein Castle revolve around shadow figures. Coupled with the sound of disembodied voices, encounters with these silhouetted specters are quite common up in the tower, where the mad doctor used to practice alchemy. However, they are more often seen down in the chapel, the very place where Dipel's spirit can be heard howling with grief. So it would seem that Johann's deviant practices have finally caught up to him. Now it goes without saying that the story of Frankenstein Castle spans well beyond the pages about mad scientists in alchemy. In fact, written on its crumbling walls is a tale of love, knighthood, and tragedy. Sir Philip Ludwig was in a hurry to get back to Frankenstein Castle. He had been away for quite some time, and the knight was anxious to return to his beloved Anne-Marie. While her lover raced his carriage through the streets of Darmstadt, Anne sat in the tallest tower of the castle. There she waited, peering out into the night, searching for a sign that Philip had finally returned, one that tragically would never come. You see, in his haste to once again be in Anne-Marie's arms, Philip was thrown from his carriage. From the tower, Anne watched in helpless agony, as the accident turned her life on its head. In that moment, she knew one thing to be true. Sir Philip Ludwig, the last knight of Frankenstein, was not coming home. It's been centuries since their love story came to a tragic end. But even still, Anne-Marie and her knight, Sir Philip Ludwig, remain on castle grounds. And, well, let's just say, they aren't the friendliest when it comes to visitors. As a matter of fact, the couple is quite fond of their castle, going out of the way to ensure that no one disturbs it. From the tallest tower, they will throw rocks at onlookers and guests, evidently in an effort to keep outsiders from entering. So consider yourself warned, if you're planning on taking the trek out to this haunt, well, you may just want to bring a helmet. Like the setting of a dark fairy tale, 
Frankenstein Castle is surrounded by an ominously dense forest. Those brave enough to visit are required to hike through those trees, with nothing more than their instincts to guide them. You see, this perilous woodland harbors a strange power, an anomaly that has been puzzling locals and visitors alike for over a century. Simply put, compasses don't seem to work on the trail to Frankenstein Castle. It's eerie when you think about it. The notion that something so reliable would falter amid such unpredictable terrain. It's almost as if the laws of man cease to exist when you set foot on this unhallowed ground. Now as near as we can tell, the trouble lies beneath the bedrock, where a deposit of magnetic stone has formed. Thanks to this geological feature, electromagnetic energy is quite prevalent in the area, meaning that compasses are basically rendered useless. And for our purposes, so are EMF detectors. Okay, so that all makes sense. But let's put this more scientifically sound explanation aside for a moment and discuss a bit of local lore. So the story goes, the forest surrounding the Frankenstein castle was once a popular spot for a local coven of witches. Apparently, they would gather among the trees in celebration of a festival known as Walpurgis Knot, or rather, Witches' Night. Traditionally celebrated on April 30th, the festival marks the beginning of spring. Some say that the coven would practice rituals throughout the evening, while others claimed that a sacrifice would have been the main event. Spooky, I know. And with a legend like that, it's no wonder why the anomaly is thought to have more mystical origins. But it's worth mentioning that Witches' Night is a holiday for merriment and fertility, with no association to sacrifice of any kind. So, luckily for us, these claims remain to be nothing more than a scary story. If you're anything like me, then you probably have an undying love for all things Halloween. But don't worry, we would be in great company at Frankenstein Castle. As a matter of fact, the castle serves as venue to one of the most extravagant Halloween parties in all of Europe. And yes, in case you were wondering, the festivities are open to the public. During this event, the castle is transformed into a Halloween lover's paradise, complete with creepy decorations and various Halloween-themed activities. Visitors can expect to encounter ghosts, ghouls, witches, and other frightful characters right alongside some real-life haunts. As always, I will share the details about these annual Halloween festivities, as well as general information on visiting Frankenstein Castle in today's show notes at hauntscast.com. So, if you're in the area, it may be worth checking out. But remember, dear listeners, do so at your own risk. After all, Frankenstein Castle has a dark and tragic story that is certainly far from over, and you never know what might be written on the next page. This episode of Haunts was written and produced by me, Courtney Hayes. If you've been enjoying the show so far, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review. A lot of work goes into each episode, and supporting the show in this way really helps us reach more listeners each week. 
It's entirely free and takes about 30 seconds, and it would genuinely mean the world to me. Also, if you're interested in learning more about today's topic, I greatly encourage you to check out the show notes section on our website at hauntscast.com. This is the location where I share my sources and provide any visual aid that may be referenced during the show. Finally, I would love to connect with you online. You can find me on Instagram at hauntscast, or you can join our email list for updates about the show. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, happy haunting.